This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks episode 159. Recording June 15th, 2023. This is Ryan Self. Glad to here. Before getting to this episode, this podcast is on podcasters.spotify.com. Also find us on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. So when I download those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content. Wait. Definitely got mostly a sport and movie related episode. A little bit of TV there. Not really much to talk about with gaming. Talk about really kind of an underperforming weekend in theaters. Talk about layoff stuff with ESPN, talk, talk Xbox a tiny bit, and a few other things, so let's get, let's get to it and talk about what is faring in the theater. So, number one, according to boxofficemojo.com, Transformers. Rise of the Beast. So this is the seventh movie in the Transformers franchise. I was way off with what I thought this would do, but it hasn't exactly been received well, but I don't think it's been panned compared to other movies of the series. But $61 million. That's not all that great. And that's going against a $200 million budget, too. So where it stands right now, the latest numbers being from Tuesday the 13th. 73.3 domestic, but, and I think this might be the one thing that could potentially save it, 120.2 internationally. So it's standing right now at 193.5 million. I'm curious as to how much budgeting there was for, or at least how much more was spent on marketing. Because this could find itself in a similar situation to another film that I'll talk about in a little bit, but... I don't think there's any bigger controversies for the most part. But I'm not sure it reaches half a half a billion dollars. That's the one thing I'm going to be very curious about. I, I'm thinking kind of going to be a flop. Whether this is going to be a bomb or not, that's that's another question in itself. Number two, last week's number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Pretty good, pretty good uh, second weekend, making fifty-five point five million. Where it stands now, two hundred forty point eight domestic, which is really good. But only 87.9 internationally. Still, it's probably making a little bit of profit. 
at 328.7 million worldwide due to the fact that it was made for a hundred million dollars. Hundred million dollar budgets is not a bad thing. Helps ease up on the costs and it helps your studio too. Definitely helping Columbia and Sony pretty well. It's actually doing pretty well. I think it was number one on Tuesday. Yeah, number one on Monday and Tuesday. So a lot of people still showing their love for Spidey. Number three, The Little Mermaid. It made $23.1 million. So now it's enjoying... A decent run so far. Let's give me a second trying to figure something out. But, but essentially... Okay, that's weird. It's not letting me load the thing. Okay, there we go. 236.3 uh, domestic right now. 185.6 internationally at 422. This movie is in danger of being a, a flop or maybe not break even. I'm not sure even reaching half a billion is going to save it. And there's a lot of fear, I think, from people that want to be critical of the film without being accused of being racist. It's it's a sad situation where no matter where in the world, everyone's fearful of black people going after them. I hate to say it bluntly, but you know some of these... Or even like people that are pro-black, they 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 don't want people to be critical of a movie, even if even if they don't think it's about racism. Pretty disturbing. What isn't disturbing is that number four with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three made a little over seven million. And reached over 800 million worldwide, 808.3, sitting at 337.6 and 470.7. So, this is going to be one of the few things that Disney should be pretty proud of, but otherwise, eh, so far. And I'll definitely talk about that in a little bit. Number five, The Boogeyman. 7.2 7.2 for Guardians, a little more than $70,000 difference between that and The Boogeyman. Not exactly in the greatest of situations for for Disney, 27.1 domestic and 14.9 internationally, just over $42 million dollars. Not sure that'll be looked at as a failure, but probably, I don't know, disappointment, you could say, give or take. Number six, speaking of disappointment, Fast X. Making just over $5 million for the weekend. 
and it's already out on video on demand, so I could see a lot of people gravitating towards it a bit. Okay. Sorry, kind of having some technical issues right now. Hold on a second. But as it stands, it's at over 600 million over over the whole thing. And this has got to be a breaking point for a lot of these studios when you think about it. At the end of the day, this is one of those films that I think is going to hurt Universal. Just going on a tangent, you know, to talk about it. The whole thing, in my opinion, reeks. And I'm sure a lot of these studios are going to be looking at this year and probably debating on how things will fare over the next potentially two, three years. And I think, in this case, Fast X is definitely going to be questioned. 139.4 domestic and 521 internationally, sitting at $660 million, which, one of the weaker performing ones, and probably going to be looked at as a failure for Universal, due to the fact that they put out a $340 million budget. And probably a lot more in advertising, and this probably needed to make about eight hundred to nine hundred million just to break even. I have no doubt this is going to cost Universal over over a hundred plus million. There's no way that's surviving, and who knows if the two sequel stuff's going to work, especially with the fact that The Rock is coming back to do another Fast and Furious movie at some point. Definitely talked that a little bit with the writer's strike as well. See how that fares with other studios. Number seven. Super Mario. 2.2 million. It's making itself at $1.319 billion. 570.9 domestic and 748 Point two internationally. It's been out for a little over two months, and no doubt there's probably still a number of theaters that are that are still playing it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a number of drive-ins that are playing it now. Seriously, a little extra, a little extra money won't be too bad. So, number eight and number nine, About My Father and The Machine, both these movies do a pitiful right now. About My Father making just over 837000 over the weekend, and a lot of its 12.7 gross is domestic, eleven, just over $11 million right now, and $1.6 internationally. So pitiful. 
Same thing with, with the machine. 576,000. It's sitting at 10.2 domestic and 174,000 internationally. I'm not surprised that these movies failed. I said this right around when Memorial Day weekend was going to come about. I am not stunned at all. Then we move on to at 520,000 past lives from A24. This is a South Korean uh, drama romance. It's been out for for a while. It hasn't really done much. It's because because it's been in about four theaters for its first weekend and opening a little bit more to 26 theaters. So it's made over 800,000. So it, you know, good on them for trying to open it up more and more. You know, it's not a bad thing. A24 is like one of the smaller, like, indie type type places. So with that said, got three wide releases coming out over the weekend. So there is a limited release coming out today called Glow. Wes Anderson's Asteroid City getting its fair share of advertising. I'm not sure if it's a wide release though. I doubt it is. But Elemental, The Blackening, and The Flash are all wide releases. Then a couple of limited releases prior to the 23rd including Shooting Doves, Mad Heidi, and a ton of limited stuff, including Kings of L.A., Lauren and Rose. By the way, those first two for June 23rd. Wevoir Paris. Love Gets a Room. The Last Rider. Wonderwell. Here is better. And Maximum Truth. Asteroid City is coming out nationwide next week, along with a Jennifer Lawrence movie called No Hard Feelings. So kind of a kind of a weak weekend next week, and there's a, the expectations for for this upcoming weekend. Uh, I think the projections are about sixty seventy million according to multiple sites for the Flash. Elemental, I think, is supposed to make forty million potentially, from what I read about a couple weeks ago which is going to be one of the weaker Pixar movies. If the budget is around 60 to 70 million, this should do okay. Um, unless the budget is much higher, which I'll think about that a little bit too, then this is going to be another flop. I think people don't have a lot of faith in Pixar now, especially with a number of their films going to Disney+. Plus. And then Lightyear last year. And this is coming off now of Disney laying off a number of employees at Pixar. Including some people that have been around since the mid to late 90s. And they just got rid of the couple of the producers that were responsible for, for Lightyear. So, at least it's not in as bad a situation compared to The Flash. The Flash is about over 200 million 
in budget. And no doubt, probably a bit of money spent on marketing. I'm curious to see what the international numbers will be like down the road. That, to me, is going to be the big factor on whether or not this movie or not becomes a hit or failure. But still, it needs to make, I think, probably over $500 million to maybe 600 650 to be a hit, and I'm not sure it even gets there. It's been pushed back a number of times, I think. Ezra Miller as well with the controversy and, and people that are nostalgic for Michael Keaton Batman, I don't think it's there. I don't think they're going to get the same type of thing like like they did with that Spider-Man movie that came out, what, two years ago? Where they managed to get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to be with Tom Holland. I don't think that's happening. And speaking of that with with comic books, there's a lot of Marvel stuff going on at Disney that's getting pushed back. Like a ton. And it's more than just it's more than just Marvel. There is some Star Wars being pushed back and James Cameron's Avatar films getting pushed back a little bit too. So I'll start with the Avatar ones because it's interesting what they're doing. So Avatar 3 was supposed to come out next year, Christmas of 2024. That's now pushed back to 2025. The fourth one was supposed to come out in 2026. That's now being pushed back to the end of the decade, 2029. And the fifth one, originally for 2028, now it's going to be 2031 around Christmas. That intrigues me a bit. And looking at the other stuff, there is... Fantastic Four being pushed back to from initially Valentine's Day weekend 2025 to to May of that time. A few from 2024 getting pushed back. It's I'll have to try to explain it because it's like a, one movie gets pushed back and then another gets pushed to another one. So Captain America, The Brave New World pushed from May of 2024 to July. Thunderbolts, July 2024 to Christmas time 2024. Blade being pushed back September 2024 to Valentine's Day weekend 2025. One of the more interesting things is Deadpool 3 getting pushed forward, pushed up from November of 2024 to May of 2024. That leaves me curious now. Fantastic Four, February 2025 to May of 2025. In Avengers movies, Kang Dynasty, moving from May of 2025 to May of 2026, and say the same thing with Avengers Secret Wars, 2026 to May of 2027. And this is while there is Star Wars movies being pushed back from 
2025 to 2026 and 2027, I believe. There's a lot going on. And this includes also a live-action Moana, which will come out in the summer of 2025. Listen to a video along the lines of Snow White being, being out at some point and plans for a live-action Bambi movie and with the idea that they're going to get director Sarah Polly to direct it. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of studios that are pushing back stuff, and part of it definitely has to do with what's going on with the writer's strike. But when you look at this with Disney, Disney is not in a good place right now. Right now, they got two big flops this year with Ant-Man 3 and Little Mermaid. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is probably their only saving grace, and some of the smaller films haven't exactly lived up either from their big-name branding stuff of Lucasfilm, Fox, well, 20th Century Studios, and so on and so forth. My gut tells me they are going to struggle even more because... I don't know what the stakes are with Elemental, but I can't imagine it being a hit. I'm not sure it'll flop, but I'm not sure it'll be a hit. And honestly, Indiana Jones is going to be a massive failure. There is no way this movie is going to find itself making anywhere close, I think, to 800 or 900 million to justify the 300 plus million when you combine the budgeting of the movie and the marketing. There is no way this movie is going to do well. And I think with the sour reception that Crystal Skull had, even though Crystal Skull did pretty well, that reception doesn't help with Dial of Destiny. No doubt in my mind that movie is going to be a huge failure. And no doubt, I think... I don't know if they'll ever do another Indiana Jones or do something similar to Indiana, but... The treasure hunting stuff, it... it, it, I don't think it's going to work if they continue moving on into say, the 80s and 90s. It, I, don't, I don't know if it'll work. I think it's best to just let Indy die. Let Indiana Jones die as a franchise. If they want to do something similar to Indy, just make something original that's similar to Indy, but can stand on its own two feet. And speaking of standing on its own two feet, let's talk some sports. Because the kings of basketball and hockey are finally crowned. Let's start off with Monday. Denver Nuggets, for the first time ever, NBA Finals champions. I believe Nikola Jokic, Finals MVP, for what he was able to do along with that team. 
knock off the Miami Heat in five games. Hold on to a lead for most of the game. Heat come back, score the last six points of the game. Nuggets, huge, huge, especially considering that last year the Colorado Avalanche won their third Stanley Cup, and they joining them and the Denver Broncos with their three championships. The only thing missing now is the Colorado Rockies, who have made it to a World Series, but that was back in 2007, still. Bring a little hardware to the Rocky Mountains. Not sure if John, not sure if John Denver's full of shit, but Rocky Mountains certainly going to get a little rockier now that they are a recognizable group. Right now. Jokic is just a humble guy. He's just he he's just a normal guy, and he you know a sportsmanship guy too. For what he was able to do, I mean, it's amazing. And I'm not sure this is a type of finals that Pat Riley wanted to be involved in. I believe this was supposed to be his last as someone in charge of being around the Miami Heat organization. I'm sure this will be looked at as a disappointment for. Eric Spolstra, but the fact that they were able to make the play-in and knock off three teams before getting into the finals, I mean, speaks dividends of what he's done as a whole since becoming the coach and really what he's done following LeBron James leaving Miami to go back to Cleveland in 2014. He's done a lot. I think with the people that he's had, Involved in coaching and the players that he's managed to get, Miami is still a force to be reckoned with. He is still a force to be reckoned with. And the NBA actually enjoyed some really good ratings this year. On average, over 5 million across all the games on cable and on ABC. Some of its biggest being over 8 million for two games specifically. Game 7 between, I think it was, it was like Variety, I think was, that said it, or The Spun, I forget what it was. But their ratings, 8 point something, I think it was like 8.6 for, for Sixers, Celtics, Game 7, and Game 6, Warriors, Lakers was 8.4. I'm not sure if those are ones. If so, if not, reverse them. But the matchups were what really counted. Especially when you factor in the whole thing with what the Celtics gone through. Think about a couple game sevens. Almost on the verge of making history for the NBA. Even though they lost to the Heat in game seven. You don't think that's big enough? Yeah. At the same time, the NBA Finals enjoyed 
a decent set of ratings. I believe every game was double-digit millions. You definitely enjoyed, you know, de- good amount. Not to the level of last year, but still serviceable enough. Though it's still not anywhere close to where it was from even like five years ago. So the NBA should be pretty happy about that right now. But, you know, on the sadder note, there was a shooting that occurred not too long after after the game ended and people were celebrating the victory. According to multiple websites, something to do with like a drug deal gone wrong. I don't know if that's the full truth or not, but when these type of things happen, especially for certain cities, it, riots occur. You know, tons of craziness that happen. Still, it's something to consider. But still, congrats to the to the Nuggets and some of these guys involved. I'm not sure if they'll be able to repeat, but hopefully Denver don't fire their coach quickly within the next couple of years. There was a couple of of coaching hires, I believe, that occurred. I think Frank Vogel just went to somewhere. Where did he go? There were like a couple coaching hires. Yeah, coaching the uh, Phoenix Suns. I'm trying to look for other stuff. I'll look at some other point, but I think seeing a number of these guys getting picked up to coach. In the NHL, I don't think I've ever seen a beaten like what the Vegas Golden Knights did. Nine to three, beating the Florida Panthers en route to their first ever Stanley Cup. I'm not the biggest fan of hockey, but definitely, definitely interesting. Trying to look for numbers at this point, but nothing too substantial. But I know there was there at least a few million within the first couple games, and you know, it is what it is. Hockey is not, it's big, but it's not big, and I'm not sure if having it exclusively on TNT helped. But then again, the NHL has done that in the past with having ESPN back then as a network that exclusively had the finals. There there was something I saw, I think it was yesterday, about a shooting plot that was foiled in. Oh man, that is just... That sends shivers down my spine because 
when the Golden Knights first came about, this was right around when that Vegas hotel shooting occurred. And people rallied at that point, and it was just interesting for Vegas as they were dominating really well. They made their way to the Stanley Cup. It makes me think a little bit of that hurricane that occurred in 2017 and the Astros rallying. Although, in hindsight, the cheating and all that kind of does ruin what was a feel-good story. Nevertheless, though, uh, a rallying-type cry, and thankfully for this year, they they got their Stanley Cup, and yeah, good to see them. Good to see them win it, and probably one of the toughest sports in all of the major four sports. NASCAR had their race in Sonoma. I'll sometimes think of it as Sears Point, though, because that's that's how I remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Toyota Save Mart 350. Heard it wasn't really all that great of a race, though, with Martin Truex winning it. I believe when I saw his interview, they put a graphic. I think it's his fourth win at at Sonoma. The top five, Kyle Busch, second place. Joey Logano, third. Chris Buescher, fourth. And Chase Elliott, fifth. Don't know what's going on here. I'm trying to get something to load, and it's not letting me load. Come on. I believe this is right around the late part of Fox being with with NASCAR, and pretty soon we're going to see pretty much going to see NBC take over. I've heard a lot of I think like negative stuff regarding regarding NASCAR and Fox. It sounds like the the broadcasting hasn't been ideal. It just the it just seems like the quality has gone down. It sounds like it's kind of struggled a bit since in terms of Fox, really I think since Daryl Waltrip left. I would say, probably for the time being, I think NBC probably has the better broadcasting group. No joke. Is it, have we gotten to that point now where we might need to think about NBC being the more dominant group? Just saying, I mean, we've seen... NASCAR appear on all four of the major networks at one point in time. 
you had CBS for a long time, ABC for a long time, slash ESPN. It's funny to still think about, you know, ESPN being big with NASCAR, and that was like one of their biggest, I would, I would argue, was bigger than the NFL for, for a period in time, you know? I'll look at race results. Give me results for the cup. Give me the results. Oh, come on. Come on. There we go. The rest of the top ten. A.J. Allmendinger, he's pretty good with road courses. Michael McDowell, seventh. Kyle Larson, eighth. Chris Bell, ninth. Ross Chastain, tenth. Looking at some of the other notables. Kevin Harvick, eleventh. Ricky Stenhouse, twelfth. William Byron, fourteenth. Alex Bowman, fifteenth. Brad Keselowski, sixteenth. Bob Wallace, seventeenth. Ty Gibbs, eighteenth. Austin Dillon, 19th. Daniel Suarez, 22nd. Austin Sindrick, 25th. Harrison Burton, 27th. Eric Almarola, 28th. Chase Briscoe, 29th. Ryan Blaney, 31st. Ouch. Eric Jones, even more of an ouch. 32nd. Tyler Reddick, 33rd. And Denny Hamlin, dead last. Oh, man. Talk about finishing dead last. I mean, it happens to a number of these big-name drivers. A lot can happen. Not a whole lot else going on. There was uh, Drew Smith of the New York Mets getting busted for sticky substance before he even threw a pitch. This week, going to be suspended 10 games. The MLB's got to figure out what to do at some point. They can't just keep having random guesses on what is allowed and what isn't allowed. The whole thing with the sticky substance, I feel like you got to have some control of the ball and have a decent grip on it. Without good control or grip, you're going to get someone winding up in a hospital bed that's going to need facial surgery. There's got to be something that they can do, especially as it gets towards summer. It's going to get 80, 90 degrees out, and not every stadium is dome-controlled or retractable roof, etc. I mean, let's think about it. What stadiums have roofs? You got... I feel like... Toronto, maybe? Tampa, definitely. That's your ALE stuff. I don't think anybody in the AL Central has a dome. The Astros have a retractable roof. Same with the Rangers. That's about... That's about it in the AL. I'm going to say the 
NL, at least Miami. Trying to think for... I don't think Milwaukee does, but I might be wrong. And the other one being Arizona. So probably about a six of the MLB can control the temperature. Meanwhile, you can't in other places, especially when it gets to about 80, 90 degrees at points in July, August. What can you do? Sweat occurs. I don't know what you can do to fix this problem. There's not a short-term solution that can be fixed. And I think it's all on the discretion of of the umpires, which I think is kind of stupid. There needs to be something that needs to be done, sure. But I think we've come a long way from having spitballs or using stuff like Vaseline, Bartle, you know, snot, Crisco, and all that stuff to to give you an advantage. We've come a long way from different eras of baseball. We've, we've, we've come a very long way. I think they need to figure things out soon. Otherwise... You're going to have a ton of pissed off players. Way more than you think. I don't think it's a case of targeting the Mets though. I think umpires are just being stupid. I believe there is some approval somewhat for the Oakland Athletics and their stadium potentially in Vegas. Whether that gets passed or not, I don't know. But this if it does, this is all on the city of Oakland. Really, and the citizens as well. They've been wanting a new stadium for a long time. There's been all this struggle to get one. And it's, it's a travesty. Because they've been playing in that piece of crap Oakland Coliseum for way too long often looked at as one of the worst baseball parks ever. One of the worst stadiums ever. I'm sure at some point it wasn't that bad, but still. Not a good situation. And some of the few things I've seen with the NFL, curious to see where DeAndre Hopkins goes. I think he'd do okay with New England if it does occur, but with Bill O'Brien as the coordinator, I'm not sure how that will pan out. Some say Tennessee. I think he'd give a little bit of of comeback ability for him and Tannehill. Tannehill didn't exactly have the greatest of times last year and was hurt for a decent part of the season. Combine those two with Derrick Henry. Could be a team that could be scary towards the end of the year. Maybe help ease the workload a little bit on Derrick Henry as well. 
Speaking also of the Patriots, they cut James Robinson. Hopefully that guy finds a, finds a new team. He was pretty good a couple of years ago. He was doing okay until Travis Etienne took over in Jacksonville. I think he'll find a place, especially with Dalvin Cook getting released by Minnesota. There's potential he goes to Miami, I would say, based on him in college in Florida. I think it was Florida State, if I'm not mistaken. A couple of guys haven't signed their contracts or been wanting contracts like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Both the Raiders and Giants need their guys pretty badly. I would say especially right now with the Raiders. I don't know what their quarterback situation is right now. I think not too long ago, Jimmy Garoppolo, according to multiple sites, failed his physical. I'd be a little nervous right now if I was Josh McDaniels. Kind of a messy situation heading into the 2023 season. Now, I said earlier about Disney and layoffs. That's the thing. Disney doing layoffs at ESPN, and one of the casualties, unfortunately, was a guy that was pretty big there, Neil Everett. Like, I knew he had been there for a long time, but I didn't realize he had been there since at least 2000. I think we've reached that point, unfortunately, where some of these guys, it, we seeing less and less of the guys that, yeah, looking at the headline, Athlon Sports, prominent ESPN employee saddened by Neil Everett's departure. it's upsetting people because these aren't just your small time guys. These are the guys you grow to watch every day when you want to watch sports highlights. Watch what happened. You're seeing that over the last few years, like some of these prominent names, and that's not just including people for a long time being on the network or being off the network for a long time. Sports Center is just not the place that I, not the the show that I remember. And some of their best known guys, best known people, or ones that were there for a long time, they've either moved on to other stuff or they moved on to different networks. Take a guy like Dan Patrick, for example. He was there at ESPN from the end of the 80s up through 06. Still doing his own thing. Has a TV. Or he used to have a TV show. He has a radio show. They would broadcast it, I think, on NBC when he was there for, for a while. Look at Rich Eisen. NFL Network, he has his own show. He was there for at ESPN for quite a bit of time. Not, I don't think for, I think he was there for under a decade, but definitely a more prominent guy. You know, it just, you know, it just makes me think, just thinking this, would Stuart Scott have, have been cut at any point? 
if he was still alive. Would he be cut? I almost feel like he would. I don't think he'd mesh with with today's sports center, even though he was a big part of why ESPN was pretty big in the nineties. Particularly when ESPN two, like you know, his own flair, his own style. You know. It makes you think of not just what's going on at at ESPN, but when you think about it, there you got how do you put it in a in a good in a, like a way where it doesn't sound harsh, but could we potentially see more cuts and layoffs of stuff on cable? Because I keep thinking about with all the stuff going on with streaming and sports being on streaming networks and you're seeing more with films and stuff. Like looking at boxofficemojo.com, I'm seeing advertisements for an Apple Plus movie called Still, a Michael J. Fox documentary. I don't know how long it'll be until everything is exclusively on streaming, but I think a lot of this will do a lot of these networks in. But then again, you also have other things that occur to where you're trying to fix something that is sinking and one of those examples is Chris Light I believe he was the CEO of or one of the top guys what was he he was a yeah this guy was in charge of CBS for a while He actually did a lot for the late show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah, chairman and CEO. Was he the guy that took over after Jeff Zucker, or was it something else? But CNN is just... I know what they're trying to do. They're... They're trying whatever they can to make themselves equal and try to be fair with political coverage. And this is considering that he took over at a time where CNN was bleeding pretty badly. I'm not sure he could have solved all the problems of CNN in a a flash. But I think they were looking for immediate results to be more equal and fair and not just be a one-sided thing like Fox News is with conservatives and MSNBC with liberals. But there was a point where you could tune into CNN and feel like you're listening to good journalism. But that's probably been dead for them for the last 10-15 years. 
Actually, you wonder how healthy Fox News will be at some point with some of their big names being out lately. You know, being ousted and a few other things. Are people ready for journalism? Or are we just going to keep seeing more clickbait type garbage? Because I'm seeing that with some of these journalism, or not journalism, these these websites that focus on trying to make things a combination of political, racial stuff, although it has nothing to do at times with what is being talked about and trying to add in something political or something else into into their journalism, their bias coming through. And this is why there's been a few websites such as Vice, BuzzFeed, and there's like a couple others that have laid off a number of people or have been on the verge of bankruptcy because people are not falling for that crap anymore. They want actual journalism. They don't want someone that pretends to be one and thinks they're doing something for the greater good, but they're hurting their company way more than they think. I don't know, it's... see a lot more of gaming sites, and I've got a feeling that gaming sites and pop culture sites, a lot of them, I think... I think either if they don't wind up bankrupt and shut down... Some divisions are going to be shut down, and they're going to try to try to get whatever they can get from whatever's survived, or get bought out by another company, and hope that they can revitalize interest. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't know if some of these sites survive the decade or not. I don't know, but it's a huge uphill battle, and I'm not sure some of these websites can survive. It's almost like looking at the dot-com bubble of the late 90s, where everybody was in on stuff, and it blew up in their faces when it all came crashing down. The only thing I got really to talk about with gaming is just Microsoft doing doing a presentation earlier this week and I don't know, a lot of their stuff that they showed looking at a game list earlier it just it doesn't interest me. The only thing that might catch my interest a little bit is Microsoft Flight Simulator. That It's one of the things I would certainly invest into if I had an Xbox series. It'd be one of the few things I'd actually buy. I like the, I like the idea of flying through 
parts of the United States. Not only flying through, but flying through other, you know, like through wooded parts of of the country and other related stuff. I just I'm fascinated with like like roads and stuff. Like, although I probably in real life would be more of a driving type of guy than a flying guy. Too scared to fly, if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's one of the things that catches my eye, but otherwise, it's just I have a hard time really wanting to get into this latest Xbox line of systems. And that's even considering that coming out soon, there's going to be a one terabyte model of the Xbox Series S. I'm actually kind of impressed with the price a little bit too, all things considered, about $350. That's actually pretty good. Although I probably would have expected it to be 300 because I feel like that's what happened with the slimmer Xbox Ones and PS4s. They were able to do $300 for one terabyte unless it's just a sl- it, if 350 today is the equivalent of 300 from six years ago. But yeah, the 350 for one terabyte, it actually doesn't sound that bad. But the downside being no disk drive. I know it sounds a little weird, but I kind of like the idea of a disk drive and getting physical physical disks. I, I just like that a, a little bit more. I feel more comfortable comfortable with that. It's just part of me just wants to. I mean, I'll play I'll play stuff digitally. I'm not against buying things digitally, but if I'm going to make the choice, and if it's cheaper, I'll get the digital, not the digital, uh, the physical thing first. And definitely, I understand certain things when it comes to the digital stuff, because less wear and tear on the disk drive, which certainly is a huge substantial thing for why later on a number of these systems are going to die and unless you know someone that knows how to fix them, I mean, you're SOL. I mean... Oh, man. It's disappointing because I, I, I love the 360. I like the one. But it's just... I, I'm not interested fully in Microsoft's first-party stuff... And I wish some of their acquisitions... I want to see Microsoft do well. I want to see the Xbox line do well. I just wish some of their acquisitions would would put out more stuff. I'm not saying they need to pull out every franchise in the world, but I want to see a new Wolfenstein. I would like to see maybe, maybe a new Elder Scrolls or a new Fallout. Like an actual new Fallout, like a Fallout 5, not something like the Fallout 76. I want to see them do an Elder Scrolls 6, but I'm not sure 
if people will immediately go to it and still stick to Skyrim. Just thinking of that, I'm I'm waiting on GTA 6. The potential of it coming out next year makes me want to get a system. It's going to be one of the main reasons why I get either a PS5, which I'm probably leaning more towards that, and, and either an Xbox Series line. I'm probably going to be in that same situation like I was last generation with picking between the the PS4 and, and the Xbox One and ultimately going with PS4 because it had titles that interested me and honestly I like some of the Sony stuff a bit more than Microsoft. And honestly with the PS5 there are certain things that interest me, like the Ratchet and Clank game, certainly a few other first-party stuff. I, I just it, it it interests me a lot more than it does Xbox. But see what happens. It, part of me wanted to get a PS5 this year, but I don't know now. I, I'm kind of waiting to see if there's price cuts. If there's no price cuts at, at some point, uh, just gonna have to bite the bullet. It's just sometimes I just don't think five hundred dollars is enough to justify. I feel like three hundred fifty or four hundred would be what I'd pay for a little bit, but I'd be willing to bite the bullet at some point for to spend five hundred. And who knows what's going to happen with Nintendo and whatever they put out next. I'd like to think they put something out either next year or two years from now. I still think the Switch will get a few more years of support after the successor comes out. But that probably has a huger uphill climb. Similar to what the 3DS had to deal with when when it came out and the DS was just everywhere. Some optimism, sure, but I think there's still some good stuff to find for this generation of gaming. So I'll end it about here. As I said before, this podcast is on podcasters.spotify.com. You can also find us on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So that's episode 159. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear listeners on next podcast, which will be the last for this season. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care, everyone.